So that's that's the reality that we have to live in. It's what's standing in front of us in the cold morning air. Walking up that canyon. That snap. That jolted us to our core. And we stood. Frozen. Our breath visible in the cold morning air. The sun trying its best to melt the blanket of snow from the night before that's frozen to the limbs of the trees and it's standing there. I can't be sure. I can't be sure what I'm seeing is actually there because it's so deep in the tree line. And just as I resigned myself that it was a figment of my imagination, it moved. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It is great to have you. It is May 24th, and as of today, we have 5,435,994 worldwide cases of COVID-19, with 344,514 deaths. And I got a great show for you this week. That's right, in the Devil's Advocate, I'm going to bring back an oldie but a goodie, Letters from the Devil. Now, we're going to be talking specifically the article from December 5th, 1971, in the Infernal Foreman. I've got two articles to bring to you. Pastors defy Antichrist governors to open churches in Trump's name. And California retail worker attacked by customer asks shoppers, be patient, show a little kindness. And in the Creature Feature, I'm bringing an old school video game, but a personal favorite, Clyde Barker's Undying. Before we dive into that, let me start by saying I actually completely did an entire intro in the four minutes that this was live before I looked down and realized my mic was not registering. <laughs> and this is something that's been happening lately. So I had to unplug it, replug it in, and then redo the intro in a shockingly poor way compared to what I just weaved that no one heard. So, I hope that cold open was okay. Yeah, so <laughs> I went hiking with my wife, daughter, and animals <clears throat> up into the canyon. And because the snow was melting, uh, the canopy above was just dropping ice. And I'm not talking like just melting into liquid and, and falling. I mean like chunks of ice <laughs> were pelting my wife in the head. Which is actually kind of funny. But uh, it also made for a very chaotically audible hike when normally it would just be silence, birds, and squirrels. Maybe some deer. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was uh, a very good hike. So I took some photos. I took uh, one photo uh, from a very far distance. And yes, that was inspired by the ritual. But there's a photo that I witnessed in the distance that is just a tree. But there's an intelligence behind it. So, you can see that on my website if you're interested. And I'm sure you'll figure out which one it is. Because, at least to me, it's, it's painfully obvious <laughs> that it's not just a tree. 
<clears throat> that being said, the last man camp I went on, I introduced uh, the other members of the man camp to a tree stump that... <laughs> this might be revealing a little too much. Um, I may have been under the influence. Uh, that offered to take us to another planet. So I'm never saying that I'm a completely sane individual. Because <laughs> I see shit, man. I see shit. Uh, Alright, let me give a quick shout out to everyone in the chat room. Behemoth, thanks for joining us, man. Clinton, good to see you again. Kyle, what up? William, Frank, Valeria, how are you? Dog, what up? Jason, good to see you. Ashworth, thanks for joining us live. Gary, what, what up? Sean, hey, what's up, man? And uh, did I miss anyone? Shauna? Yeah, I know you. Maybe. I don't want to admit it. Just kidding. I love you, honey. Um, Zachary, how you doing, man? I, I think I got everyone. Sorry. Uh, for anyone that comes in after the fact, these episodes are uh, nine cents as a format. It's broken into three different segments. And so I try to keep each segment around 15-ish minutes. Uh, I never really successfully do that, but that's my goal. So these are not deep dive discussions like you would find in, say, a Speak of the Devil episode. Those are very different. This is just sort of quick cutting, give you my surface thoughts, and deliver hopefully a little bit of entertainment. Uh, I don't know if I succeed, but we'll figure it out, right? We'll figure it out together. Um, before I dive into the show proper, however, I would be remiss if I didn't give a hearty happy birthday to the maestro. That's right, High Priest Magus Peter H. Gilmore, today is his birthday, and I consider him a friend. He may not consider me a friend, but that's okay. Um, we've collaborated on a lot of projects together. Uh, it is my absolute pleasure to uh, communicate with him randomly about random sci-fi movies or events that happen. And uh, it's always a, a great time having a conversation with him. He's a man who uh, seemingly always knows more about a subject than you do. Which, which is a little intimidating until you realize that he does not have an overinflated ego. So he's fine just shooting the shit and just being down to earth and real. And let's be honest, we've all met those online Satanists, or maybe you've been fortunate enough to meet them in real life, that have an overblown sense of self. This ego that just like permeates the air around them like a fart. You just walk into it and you're just like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, we've all met them. Chances are you got a couple of their names right in the forefront of your mind right now. Um, the Maestro is not one of those. He's good people. And I am uh, proud to have him as the organization's high priest because let's be very frank here. If you're going to follow the doctor, you better fucking bring it, right? I mean, how can you follow the founder? And yet, he did. And he is representing this religion through this organization better than anyone I have ever seen. So, thank you very much, Maestro. And I hope you have a very happy birthday. Um, on other notes, before we dive into the show, the book club, first book finished today. That's right. As the sun sets on one book, it rises on another. And this one has a little bit of fire behind it. That's right. The next book that we're going to be reading in the book club is The Fire From Within, Nemo on Satanism, Volume 1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a collection of essays by Magister Nemo, and it's great. It's I've owned it for years, and you, if you haven't already, should own it as well. But if you want to join us to discuss these essays in Satanism, go over to reverendcampbell.com slash book dash club, and uh, you're going to have to be logged into my website. It doesn't cost anything. It just takes a little effort of signing in or signing up. Uh, and then you can join us. But again, don't join unless you're going to join and actually contribute. We, 
every it's what has been for the last book anyway was every week we got on a Google Hangout and we just chatted about what we just read and it's great because everyone sees things a little bit differently everyone interprets things a little bit differently and being exposed to other perspectives actually helps you grow as a human and uh, I can't think of anything more satanic than that so if you want to join us with the fire from within I have information on obtaining a copy or I will right after this episode is out um, specifically for and through the book club details are going to be in that group um, if you already have it, it doesn't matter just dive in and join us all the information about the first episode which is going to be in two weeks so you have time for the book to be shipped to you uh, is in that form as well it's gonna be a lot of fun consider it if you like reading if you can't read and you're not blind what the fuck is wrong with you learn <laughs> Uh, okay, so I covered the book club, I covered the hike, I covered the very happy birthday to our high priest. Um, yeah, I think it's time to start the show. Still a little devil's advocate. This is released by Underworld Amusements. Um, it's They collected as many copies, as far as I know, all of the copies of the newspaper article um, letters from the devil that ran. Uh, so it's pretty awesome, and you can pick it up right now at underworldamusements.com. I don't think it's very expensive, and it's chock full of some pretty amazing stuff. So he doesn't, like, what um, Underworld Amusements did was not just scan all the copy and put it down into like a book. No, no, no. They actually kept in the entirety of the page. And so you're going to have sidebar uh, ads or cartoons or just random uh, uh, articles of the day along with the letters from the devil column. It's awesome. It's like a time travel device in and of itself. Not to mention, you get to hear thoughts from the doctor in the doctor's time addressing people who are sometimes mailing him correspondence and sometimes he just kind of makes it up so that he can address a specific idea or topic no shame <laughs> you gotta you gotta make your money so uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna shit on anyone's game um but it's great nonetheless i mean genuinely it's really good so you gotta check it out anyway this first one i thought was great and what i'm not going to do is show you the picture of the article and, and read it verbatim i'm going to summarize it here we go. A woman, may, uh, <laughs> a woman, uh, someone um, uh, mailed a letter to the doctor uh, asking him to somehow get Satan to murder her husband. Every day she sees his face and she hates it a little bit more. And she's fallen in love with a Marine. Uh, you know those sailors. <laughs> Sexy uniforms military bearing and all she couldn't resist however here's the catch she's married she has kids hates her husband fell in love with this marine never met the marine just corresponded through letters that's right people there's things called letters it's it's like compressed wood particles into what's called a sheet of paper that you would take a handwriting device called a pencil or pen and you would actually make marks on this pressed tree fibers called paper, fold it, put it in an envelope made of the same substance, lick this really nasty toxic glue chemical to seal the letter envelope, and then you would take a stamp. That's like 10 cents, 15 cents, 25 cents, and just put it in a box at the end of the street. And then someone from the post office would drive to your box 
take your letter worth 25 cents, we'll say, and actually travel across the country to deliver it for 25 cents. Blows my mind that that's worked for hundreds of years, but it has. So anyway, that's how letters <laughs> work. Uh, so she sent this in and she corresponded with the Marine this way. And she fell in love with him. Never once did it mention how the Marine felt about her, which I thought was kind of funny because it's all just this woman's perception. Anyway, she asked him, look, if you could just get Satan to... Satan, not a Satanist, the devil himself to perform a death curse on her behalf while still protecting her and her children and her neighbor, who she's mailing all of this through because she doesn't want it to come directly to her house on the off chance that her husband, whom she wants to die, would find it and become upset. Understandably. <laughs> which I just think is great. So she says, look, I don't have money because I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I could send you like, say, $5 a month until whatever fee you're going to charge for this death curse is paid off. But if it's successful, then I can pay you in a lump sum from his actual uh, life insurance premium. So, please? <laughs> and the doctor did this really wonderful uh, response that was really just snarky and full of just uh, shit-talking without, you know, in a, in a polite way because he's not an idiot. And he did this whole, like, sort of Willy Wonka machine logic thing. He's like, okay, well, I had to take your request and put it into our warlock machine, and this is how we do it nowadays. Uh, you know, back in the day, we used to divine and use Sears and stuff, I'm paraphrasing, but now we use these machines, devices called computers. So I put your request in the computer, and it's going to tell me whether or not Satan will be amiable to your request. And as I'm explaining how this works, the answer came out, and it turns out, and his response was just fantastic. He, he gave a response with three distinct points. One, you need to get divorced. It's legal, you don't have to worry about a death curse, and quite frankly, there's no real danger there, just, just get a divorce. Uh, the second point, she was offering her soul in order um, also as a, a form of payment. And he's like, you know what, the devil doesn't want your soul. <laughs> he rejects her soul as collateral because it's of inferior quality. <laughs> Which, I wrote a song about, um, not a good at all, but I wrote a song uh, called I Don't Want Your Soul. Because there's always this idea that, oh, I'm just going to sell my soul and be better at everything. But let's be honest. The devil has a discerning palate. He doesn't want anyone's soul. He just wants the cream of the crop. You know, the real, solid, you know, worth their weight and salt souls. And so all these pathetic assholes that are like throwing their soul away for their, their dreams to come true or to have unlimited power... He's like, I, no, you, no, no. I want souls that are worth something. That means you have to be able to bring it. That's the soul I want. I don't want that worthless soul that you can't, you can't even get out of your own house to make your own will be done. What, what value does that have? It makes perfect sense to me. And it made perfect sense to the doctor as well. <laughs> so he rejects her soul because of inferior quality. And then he's like, look, why... Are you trying to kill this man? He clearly takes care of you. He, he goes to work to make sure that you have a life and your kids have a life and you say they're happy. He's never abused you, you say. So it's really just you being a prick. And so he concludes it in this really wonderful little rant. She is an immature, unrealistic, lacking compassion and appreciation toward others, masochistically arranges failure and rejection from others, and is an impulsive extremist in every sense. And so his suggestion to this woman who wants her husband dead and is willing to sell her soul for it is to actually perform a compassion ritual for her husband! <laughs> Which is just great! I, and so it would be easy to make up this story about, oh, you know, the devil doesn't really get involved in interpersonal affairs, or that's not really what we're about, so how about you read up on the literature before looking like an asshole? No, no, no. He actually just creates, weaves, a tapestry of insult <laughs> to share with this woman. 
And it is so wonderfully funny, and it is so poignant, and actually true to the core of what Satanism actually is, all the while hitting on these points of the balance factor when it comes to magic. That he doesn't outrightly say anything about it, but all of his points equate to that principle, the balance factor. It's awesome. You've got to read this article, and you've got to pick up that. Not that, that book. It's great. Uh, okay, so let me see. What do you guys say here? Letter writing, lost art form for me, like reading a map. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, in going in line with maps, compasses. <laughs> I mean, come on, people. Uh, God and tell them the language they understand. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what I love about the doctor is that whether or not he wrote that letter as, um, oh, I can't remember her name. It was, um, it was uh, Marlene, I think. Um, whether he made up that letter, whether it was a genuine letter, it's irrelevant. Because the information that he presents in his analysis is on point. And that's the point of these articles. It's not the receipt, it's the dissemination of the information that's important. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, again, it's available right now at Underworld Amusements. you got to check it out. And I'm going to be going back to this well of hilarious content uh, often. Because, again, this was in 1971, right? This is at the time of the height of the media frenzy for a satanic church. The most blasphemous idea that could possibly ever be. And yet, it did become, and it still persists, and here we are, still reflecting on the, the, the pure chaotic exchange that must have taken place in the time for this to still be going strong. For people to be trying to steal it for their own ridiculous ends as well. I mean, you gotta do it right if everyone's trying to take a piece, right? I mean, otherwise they just leave you alone and, and pretend you didn't exist. Um, so anyway, that's the devil's advocate. I hope you guys... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know... I didn't do any of the work. I just literally parroted back to you an article. <laughs> but it's all I could think of today, so <laughs> that's what you get. Alright, let's do a little uh, Infernal Informant. Pastors defy Antichrist governors to open churches in Trump's name. Uh, this is from thedailybeast.com. Now, while some churches took Trump's order to open up right now as a green light, other faith leaders say they would absolutely not be moved by the president's proclamation. President Donald Trump's call on Friday to reopen houses of worship sent a green light to some pastors to resume in-person services on Sunday, even in the face of contrary bans from governors. Now, governors have great latitude during times of emergency and sovereign authority under the Constitution, even in normal times. But Hope said that she intends to hold a uh, pastor, uh, hold in-person services on Sunday, thanks to the support from the president. Cavalry chapter, uh, chapel pastor Ken Graves called the centralized lockdown powers being utilized by leftist governors as the spirit of Antichrist. <laughs> a Maine pastor unsuccessfully sued the state's government to hold in-person services. Several California churches joined together on May 8th to file a 128-page civil rights lawsuit seeking an injunction and restraining order allowing in-person services in the state. A San Diego federal judge turned down that request. 
On Friday, in a two-to-one decision, an appeals court rejected the request once more, writing in an unsigned opinion that the church's First Amendment rights were not violated because the ban was not religiously motivated. Quote, we're dealing here with a highly contagious and often fatal disease for which there, present, uh, there is presently no known cure, the judge wrote, adding from a 1949 Supreme Court ruling, if a court does not temper its doctrinaire logic with a little practical wisdom, it will convert the Constitutional Bill of Rights into a suicide pact. And there's, there's still many pastors and priests who refuse to hold services to protect their communities. Here's what I say. Open the doors. Let Jesus save his congregation. Praise the Lord. Let them get together. Let them... Look, here's the reality. They're going to go and spread it around other people. But if you're hobnobbing or not taking proper precautions when in public uh, right now, that's your own fucking fault. Let them get together. Let them mutually murder each other. There's already been so many stories about priests who have said, God will save them from this pandemic. How to rebuke you, pandemic. And then they fucking die. And then spread it to all of their congregation. Those stories are out there. And yet they're still fucking religious idiots who are like, yeah, but that was the wrong God. They, they didn't speak in tongues or something. Like, they didn't do it right. I, as a truly holy man, can do it right. Praise Jesus. Alright. Do your thing, man. Good luck to you. You have fun. You praise your Jesus. And let's see what happens. Look, here's the reality. If you're going to listen to our fucking president, you deserve to drink bleach. You deserve to take chemicals that will stop your fucking heart and force you to die. You deserve it because you're a fucking idiot. Stupidity should be painful. Right? So let's let it be painful, these fucking assholes. And look, for the past three months, I've been like, no, 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 we can't, we, we, we can't let them because they're just too dumb for their own good. And they're going to infect everyone else. But now I'm at a I'm in a position where I'm like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I take precautions. I look after me and mine. If you're not going to do that, I'm not gonna fucking continue with these ridiculous warnings on the side of bleach. They exist because of your dumbass, not mine. I'm not the idiot drinking it. So let's let them. Let them do it. This only weeds out the most worthless types of people that we don't even want here anyway. And they're the ones doing it. So, let them. It's ridiculous. And the reality is, if we just let them, fingers crossed, they might go the way of the dodo, leaving the rest of us to pick up the pieces. <laughs> move in a more positive direction right am i am i off base here this seems like a rational course of action especially since we we can self-quarantine we can wear face masks and i don't know if you want to glove up you can glove up you don't have to go hobnobbing with these religious nut jobs even if they are in your family you can actually you know not be around them it's a choice it's a choice. So, open wide the gates and let St. Peter welcome them with open arms. Because <laughs> we don't need them anymore. <laughs> to uh, pull a little <clears throat> hymn, of, hymn of Satan, hymn of Satanic Empire. I know the name, but totally. All right, what are you guys saying? Can we... Uh, we can open up again. Hold my snake. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's so much boiled down in that, too. That's so great. Uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Hey, if they want to, man. Let them. Uh, yeah, Gary, I do. Because I'm a reverend. See, when, <laughs> um, when the Church of Satan uh, 
sends you via Raven the scroll that grants the authority of uh, priesthood in the Infernal Hell Army, um, there's like this weird glow feel <laughs> that that like emanates from within and it imbues you with the ability to uh, preach. I couldn't do it before. In fact, I, I couldn't even raise my hand and say words before. But now, I mean, <laughs> no, it's good times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I figure if they want to see him so bad, Jason, why not let them go to him, right? I mean, it, the, here's, here's the, the, the worst part of it. They will never realize, once they die, that nothing happens they're just going to be dead. So there's, at no point in any of this, is there going to be a moment of realization where they're like, oh shit, I fucked up. Because they're just going to be dead. Like, it, that's it. They're, they're expecting, and, and this is what everyone says they expect if they're a Christian, they're expecting to be on their deathbed, angels, <laughs> this is my angel wings, floats down, fairy wings? Oh, this is kind of fairy? Um, floats down next to their bed, and like takes their soul and maybe it's a grandparent or maybe it's their parent and like come with me into the light and you go in this weird tunnel and then opens up and i guess maybe a gate like a big pearly gate and there's like an old dude sitting there with like a cigarette you want in all right come on in you've been all right and then he lets you in and then you're gonna masturbate all day i don't know I, I don't really know what heaven is i think it's a masturbation fest it's white everywhere so what else could it be Let's be honest. Um, it's just like, just smells of cum. Like heaven is just like a coating of cum over everything. <laughs> Alright, so maybe that's actually some people's heaven. <laughs> Not mine. That's, okay. Um, so that's what they're expecting. What actually happens is... That's it. There's literally nothing else. It just it just stops. It turns off. There's and so me as someone who wants to like shove my finger in their face and prove to them how stupid they've been their whole lives, never gonna happen. I'm never going to get that satisfaction. They will never realize that they wasted their entire life. It's just gonna turn off. Yeah, let it happen anyway. Fuck them. Alright, the next one here. California retail worker attacked by customer asks shoppers to be patient and show a little kindness. Uh, Samantha Clark said she was split open pretty good two weeks ago when she was allegedly assaulted by a customer while police say she was working at a big five sporting goods store. <laughs> My son works at one of those. Uh, earlier this month, in the middle of a pandemic, she says a woman calling from Tracy asked her staff to hold a swimming pool for her. She replied to them, quote, we told them that we could hold it for 30 minutes. They showed up 45 minutes later and the pool was gone, Clark recalled. So the lady was upset, understandably, and uh, I can understand that she was upset, she says. Clark says the woman started throwing items off the counter, hit her in the face with something metal in her hand, and casually walked out of the store with her baby stroller in tote. <laughs> this is a mom with a baby in a baby stroller. Uh, she says that the woman even took time to cover up her license plate on the way out. So clearly she knew she fucked up. Uh, disrespect has been an ongoing problem after the they began implementing rules in the store like social distancing, requiring masks, and limiting the number of people allowed inside. Clark created a Facebook page called Retail Life During COVID-19 to help gain awareness of the struggles of retail workers working during the pandemic. Clark said, I had one lady threaten to burn our store down because we couldn't take back a return. I just want to say to be patient and show a little kindness to your retail worker or cashier, Clark said. A nice thank you goes a long way. 
Now, if you have any information about the suspect, you are asked to call Crime Stoppers at 209-521-4636. You can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward if you know who that lady is. All right. Everyone needs to work retail at one point. Because you need to realize how shitty society is. <laughs> and there's no quicker way to realize how shitty society is than working a retail job or food service industry. One of the two. Take your pick. It's horrible. People are worthless pieces of shit. Genuinely terrible. <laughs> I was... Uh, uh, I was picking up uh, my Ruger 1022, uh, so my, I could show my daughter how to fire and how to handle a firearm. Um, and uh, we were in there, and this couple came in, and the store, and they didn't have any face masks on. The store was like, "Look, hey, it's mandatory. You got to wear masks if you're going to come in." Store policy. And the guy was like, you know, fumbling around with his mask, kind of pissed off. And the girl was having none of it. She was like, "No." doing this she had this really high pitchy horrible horrible fucking voice that you could hear all the way i think they were drunk or on drugs but their behavior was just terrible um and so they went around yelling and screaming and the manager came over uh, and was asking one of the like the other manager assistant manager or whatever who was helping me like look the lady will not put a mask on what should we do and he's like Fuck, we deal with this every single day just let them get what they need to get and get out so they were being accommodating this bitch would not shut the fuck up. She was constantly just screaming and yelling and fighting with her husband and with anyone else that interacted with her. Where does this sense of entitlement come? We live in a society, people. If you're going to interact with a private fucking business, at least respect the business that you are a customer of. Like, I, I don't get that. You don't deserve anything. You are given an opportunity to purvey that custom or that, that storefront. An opportunity. You're not owed anything. Not in the store. Not outside the store. Not in fucking life. No one owes you anything. So when things do happen to be put on a plate in front of you, maybe don't shit on it. That's all. Don't shit on the plate that's right under your fucking nose. And this means if you go to a fast food joint or any restaurant, they're not getting paid shit. They're certainly not getting paid to put up with your shit. So show a little bit of respect. I don't care if the kid's 16. I don't care if it's a grown-ass adult. They've been dealing with assholes their entire fucking day since they started working there. So maybe everything's not personal and everything's not about you. Maybe if they don't have any more filet of fish, the world won't end. It's possible. <laughs> It'll still be here. So maybe go somewhere else or just take your fucking pick of what's left. But you don't have to be an asshole. I don't, I've never understood this mentality, this, this sense of individual right that I should be served on my terms and you will look to me and treat me with respect. Motherfucker, you need to earn that. And the first thing you do to earn that is to show it. It drives me insane, these people. And it also flies in the face of common decency. How do you expect me to ever treat you as a fellow human if you don't act like one? It doesn't make any sense. Why would I ever give you the time of day? Or not just treat you like shit that I accidentally stepped in? If you're not acting like a grown-up. Just a basic level of human respect, that's all. You don't have to hug people. You don't have to bow down to them. You don't have to fucking curtsy. You don't even have to shake fucking hands. But be goddamn respectful. Fucking people, man. It drives me nuts. You owe. You're owed. Fuck you. You're not owed shit. And guess what? You're going to fucking die like everyone else. Miserable and alone. These people. Drives me nuts. 
mask rules state if you can't wear a mask for any reason, don't wear it. Uh, I don't know about it. Like, I, and, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's been making the rounds online uh, of a Costco worker taking a guy's cart because he refused to wear a mask. These are private businesses. Now, whether it's a, a social media outlet online that is silencing people for whatever fucking reason, it's a private business, you're on their fucking house, if they kick you out of the house, they can do that for whatever fucking You're not owed access to that social media. And so it always drives me crazy when people are whining and can, crying about uh, individual rights and the right of free speech, arguing by the same people who often are calling other people snowflakes and saying that other people need to stop crying about free speech. Now they're doing it because they're getting kicked off. Uh, because they're uh, spreading their bigotry or their hate speech or whatever the fuck you want to uh, pretend that you're not trying to offend anyone. You're just having your right of free fucking speech. Rights! These are the same people that argue rights are not given. Rights are not real. And yet then, when it's taken away from then, HOME! I got the vapors! <laughs> I can't believe my rights are taken away! Wait a second. I thought you didn't have rights. I thought no one had any rights. It was all made up. Oh, except when it happens to you. That's when it's a problem, right, you fucking hypocrite? Okay, how about we just meet reality on reality's terms? If you're using a store that you do not own, if you are using software or a website that you did not build, it is up to the people who do own it and who did build it whether or not they're going to serve your dumbass. Period. Now, there's some regulations in place to ensure that it's not because of gender bigotry, sexual preference bigotry, racial bigotry, but if you're being an ass, none of those matter because you're being an ass. And here's the other thing. I grew up in a very small town. So small that they had to enforce the no shirt, no shoes, no service rule. Yeah, there were clothing mandatory statements before masks came along. So why now, when it's a mask, is that the red line that you won't cross? It doesn't make any sense. And if you don't like it, go somewhere else. It's that simple. If you don't have anywhere else to go to, put the fucking mask on! What, you don't want to messy up your fucking hair? No one else does either! You think we enjoy wearing masks? It's fun for us! It's costume day! No! But we're doing it to save lives, hopefully. That's it! That's all it is! And it's not a new practice! If you're sick, wearing a mask is a regular thing in a lot of other countries! Just because we're Americans and I have individual rights and freedoms, no one else does but I do. Fuck you, you fucking shit, fucking kicker, piece of fucking shit. And no, I don't mean to denigrate just your stereotypical shit kicker. Because this goes across the board for every American. <sighs> Sorry. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> that's right, Greg. No Spunkfest. <laughs> Uh, what are you guys saying here? If you have a medical condition that prevents you from wearing the mask, you don't have to wear it, you don't have to disclose your particular condition, you probably still need to know. <clears throat> I don't even care. If you have a medical condition that you can't wear a mask, how is that medical condition going to be interacted or uh, 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 affected if you contract a fucking virus that's going to stop you from breathing? So, which is worse? the mask or the virus like it's a risk assessment now the private business says mask or gtfo and you have that choice so get the fuck out like i, I just don't understand why it's even an issue it doesn't make any sense to me at all i go to a gun range no one's wearing masks fine i don't care you go to a sporting goods store everyone's wearing a mask Fine, okay. I don't care. 
Why, why does it fucking matter? And what does everyone else around you have to do with your individual sense of health and welfare? Shouldn't you always act in your own best interest? And it's not like wearing a mask is the thing that's stopping you from being able to earn money or to go work or open up your business or reclaim your job that you are furloughed from. It's a preventative measure so that you can continue doing those things. So all the aggravation, all the hatred, all the frustration is being piled on this one tiny article that has nothing to do with your current state of the world. Except this ego that you've got, these rights. I'm my own man, I'm an American. America, you can't make me do anything. Except wear a seatbelt, except put on shoes and a shirt when going into a store, except not shouting fire in a public building, except every other fucking law that we have telling you what to fucking do. You can't carry firearms in some buildings. You're not bitching about that. You're desperately clinging on to that fucking firearm with all your fucking might in every other fucking place. <sighs> fucking people, man. It's fucking... It's not new. And I'm not the first person saying this. But... Everyone kind of just needs to fucking burn. <laughs> like... Where's a good old-fashioned natural disaster? Alright, let's just... Wipe the slate clean... And move on, because I'm like at my stupidity limit. Every week, I have to filter through every fucking news article going, I don't want to talk about fucking COVID again. I don't want to fucking talk about that again. But it's in your face. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Every fucking where you look. And then you say Satanist doing it. Whatever happened to self-preservation is the highest law? Is that just not a thing? Because you don't like how you look in a mask? You fucking egotistical piece of shit? Is that it? Stay home then! I'm sweating. I got... I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do all of that. I get worked up. I'm, I'm literally sweating now. Oh, my gosh. Alright, sorry about the decibel levels there, people. I don't know, I gotta get, a, like, a warning beacon. Temper... Uh, uh, temperatures... Temperature? It's gonna flare, I don't fucking know. Alright, here we go, creature feature. excited to talk about this. This is going to be good. Alright. Uh, I was stationed in Germany in my service uh, in the U.S. Army uh, for the end, last three years of my service. Uh, during that time, I lived off base in a town called Weinheim. Beautiful. Beautiful town. Absolutely adored my entire time there. I love the German countryside. I love the German people. Never had any problems at all. But because we were so distanced from not only, of course, our family, because we're overseas, but also all of my fellow soldiers, because we lived off base. There's literally no other Americans around us. We were isolated. Um, and so we played a lot of video games. So this was um, uh, from two, 1998 to 2002. I think. Um, so this is a while ago. <laughs> Almost 20 fucking years ago. Or 20 years ago. Um, and so we played a lot of video games, is my point. Um, EverQuest came out around that time, which was like this explosive, massive multiplayer online video game. Um, and so I played that in order to connect with people back in the States, uh, because you could play with other people online and stuff. But it, it really just opened up video games. And I've been playing Nintendo Entertainment System since I was a little kid, so I've been gaming my whole life. Um, 
and I've been obsessed with Clive Barker since I was, uh, you know, I don't know, a senior in high school, maybe, I don't know. Um, but once I saw Hellraiser, and I started reading the Books of Blood, and Hellbound Heart, and I started getting into the worlds that he creates, like Imagica, um, Books of the Art, you start realizing that this, uh, the Damnation Game, this man creates worlds better than anyone else I have ever read. Um, and then I found out he's actually creating a video game. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm down, this is awesome. And I've never really been a, you know, at this point, never been a first person shooter kind of guy because let's be honest, it was uh, Wolfenstein, uh, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, uh, Doom, Hexen, uh, Quake, I think was out at this time. I don't think Quake 2 was. There's a couple DOS-based Star Wars versions, like Dark Forces, which turned into Jedi Knight series. Um, but first-person shooter games, not exactly the best quality. And you needed, like, a 3D graphics card for that. And back then, it was, a, it was a thing. You had to buy separate. It did not come with your computer. Um, and they were expensive. Uh, in order to play these games and see the rendered visuals in three dimensions. It was new, okay? So I was excited because, one, you got story elements from Clive Barker, which you can't get better than that. You get um, the gore of texturized 3D forms, uh, again, inspired by Clive Barker. So you're getting some Hellraiser-type shit, Cenobites. Um, uh, and then you get uh, this wonderful sort of mixture that you saw in a couple games before that. You know, there's a little bit of it in System Shock. There's a little bit of it in... I think it was, maybe it was Heretic. I can't remember. It was like the Doom clone, but it was like a medieval fantasy one. Where you have both the firearm slash melee attack, but you also have like a magical component to the gameplay. Bioshock took this and ran with it and did it brilliantly. Bioshock's a great game. Okay, so I realized quickly that this was going to be a stunning game, something that spoke to me personally. It's set in Ireland in World War One era, like post-World War One era. And so the aesthetics that speak to me personally, uh, it's, it's all there. The horror, it's all there. The story, it's there. And the music was great. The music was composed by Bill Bran, uh, Brown. It was fantastic. So it hit on every atom cylinder that it could possibly hit on when it came out. And then I started playing it. So this was a first-person shooter survival horror game released in 2001. It was developed and started by DreamWorks Interactive, and then EA acquired them and released it under EA Games. Clive Barker was consulted in, shape, uh, in shaping the game's plot, the background lore, and also providing the voice of the character Ambrose Covenant. Um, so this has not just the gameplay story, but it's got lore behind it. And so there's a whole universe that he created just for this one first-person shooter. And there were plans for sequels, but the reality is, is it just didn't sell as, as well as it should have. And that could be chalked up to a number of things. But everyone who's played this game has loved it. I've never seen a bad review. It was nominated by every video game uh, uh, um, magazine or online website for like the game of the year in multiple different categories. It didn't really win any of them. Uh, the editors of PC Gamer US awarded Undying their 2001 Best Atmosphere Prize and noted the game is soaked in suspense. Great, great game. Okay, so the logline of the game. Undying follows the adventures of 1920s Irish paranormal adventurer Patrick Galloway as he investigates the mysterious occult happenings at the estate of his friend Jeremiah Covenant. As children, the Covenants found a strange occult book in their father's library and performed a ritual found within at an ancient set of standing stones located on an island in their family's extensive estate. This seemingly childish game, however, brought the wrath of evil forces upon the family. Yeah, in Clive Barker fashion. Um, after reaching adulthood, the Covenants fell one by one into madness and then death, eventually leaving Jeremiah as the sole survivor who then reached out to the uh, uh, Patrick Galloway, the character you control. 
Um, the powers of the curse, however, has reanimated his fallen siblings as monsters of pure evil, evil, <laughs> and they have been uh, haunting Jeremiah, and he fears that he will soon follow where they have gone. And so he reaches out to you, and you have to go to the area, find out what the hell is going on, and then squash it. It's so much fun. I mean, it's it's horror, so how, how do you not enjoy a good horror? Um, and then you get to engage in the story, and you unravel it as you go, and then you transport through time and space. There's a lot of, like, notes of Lovecraft tossed in here. There's a lot of just really great um, atmospheric creepiness that just oozes. <laughs> it's so much fun. And even today, you can pick it up online at, like, GOG. I don't know why Steam doesn't have it, but, oh, do they? I can't remember, but um, I know it's at GOG. Uh, I still have my original CD ROM that I had purchased it at, uh, back in like 2001 when it was released. Um, and I even installed it on my computer. And I'm actually considering playing it again, uh, even on camera here, because I had such fond memories of this. Now, this was, this was Adam when he first identified as a Satanist. Um, ah, this was a few years after that. Um, where I was, I came into Satanism through an occult side of life, um, where I, I was really dabbling deep in some weird stuff. And so, again, this is all about the occult. And it, it just, it was just this perfect time and space for it to sort of invade my life, and I became obsessed with it. And the thing is, is I'm not a very good gamer. I'm just not very good at it. My wife is better at it than I am, to be honest. Um, but it's, at least the difficulties that I played on, it, it wasn't terribly difficult that I couldn't finish the game and I couldn't beat the bosses and stuff. And so that bar of expertise, like games nowadays, you know, there's... I grew up in a Nintendo era. So if you died, you went back to the beginning of the fucking game. There was no forgiveness. There was no save points. Like, you got as far as you could get, it was like an arcade game. You got as far as you could get in one quarter, you lost that, you die, you have to start from zero. And that's just unapologetic, sorry, you're not good enough. Yeah, right? So you had to have timing and everything, you had to have your, your thumbs firing perfectly. Um, this game is not that. <laughs> this is a very forgiving game. Games have gotten more challenging, but again, it's still button mashing and combinations and stuff, so it's not like it used to be where there was a real bar, a barrier to expertise. Um, but, I don't know, it, it was a lot of fun in memory, and I'm hoping it's going to be a lot of fun again, and that's why I wanted to bring it up and bring it to you guys if you haven't had an opportunity to play it. It's like five bucks. It's absolutely worth it in my opinion. Again, it's 2001 graphics. But the textures and the detail, it's all Cinebytes. It's, it's all gore, and it's awesome. And the story is great. I just had such a good time with it. So, yeah, Ghosts and Goblins. Contra. <laughs> I mean, you know, just fucking Super Mario when it, you know, uh, when it first came out. That, that was... It was unforgiving. Like, you just had to restart levels. How fun is that? It sucks. You get tired of it. Um, I played a game called Master Blaster, <laughs> which was hard. It was not a forgiving game, but, you know, you keep going. Golden Axe, yeah, yeah. That was my arcade game. Um, anyway, check it out if you want to check it out. It's a good time. <laughs> That's all I have for you guys this week. Uh, looks like Clive Barker doesn't allow his name to be used in the market of game anymore, and Steam stopped producing keys for it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he came out with a game, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen years ago called Jericho, Clive Barker's Jericho, which, it, it was one of those, like, Gears of War type games that, I don't meh, you know, not really. I, I gotta be honest with you guys, I don't really play video games. Um, it's been almost 20 fucking years since I've really been into gaming. So, you know, me talking about it and stuff presents this front of, oh, I play it a lot. I, I, I really don't. I'm going off of what I remember and what I enjoy and sort of giving you guys filler material for what eventually created who I am and elements that I think maybe you'll appreciate. Um, and that's really all it is. So if I do end up going back and playing this game, it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs>
but I think it might be worth it because <laughs> it's great. All right, uh, that's it for today's show, everyone. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, live chat, you guys fucking rule. Thank you guys so much for your time and attention. I really do appreciate it. And if you like this show, if you like what I'm bringing to you, you can always subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can sign up to the email list. And again, these are all in audio podcast form as well if you don't want to watch long-form content on YouTube. I get it. I understand it. And like 600 downloads every month are saying that some other people don't like it either. <laughs> I think I get more audio downloads than I do get video views, if I'm being 100% honest. But that's okay, because however you like to consume this content is uh, fine with me. So, it's available wherever you get your podcast. Search Reverend Campbell and you'll find it. There's also series-specific RSS feeds on the website. Uh, so you can look for that there. Thank you guys again, and if you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, check out churchofsatan.com, read the Satanic Bible, and read the Satanic Scriptures, and, I don't know, if you're feeling like uh, the maestro deserves a little happy birthday, he's got a wish list up on the website, you can always uh, buy him a present. Why not? Show him you love him. <laughs> Alright, have a great day everyone, until next week, hail Satan.